Wade has always been someone who has cared about the word of the Lord and then cared about young people, and he's been obedient in this last season of following the Lord in a way that was different than maybe anyone expected. So it's exciting to see in those steps of obedience how the Lord is leading him and Christina and their family in a really rich time, uh, that as they've taken hold of hearing clearly what he's saying and then stepping out in it, the Lord's been really active, and so the Lord's given Wade and Christina a lot in this season, and so the way they're living is an outflow of that and sharing it. So it's a really exciting season and time to be able to hear from Wade, so I encourage you uh, to get your seatbelts on. Come on up, Wade. One, two, there it is. Okay, I must have flipped it twice. All right, man, it's been a minute. But praise God. They, uh, I'm still on the young leaders team. I've uh, been on that team for about 20 years now. It's because the people that are older, older than me keep getting older. And one day I'm going to catch them. Anybody got that? Okay. I heard, I heard a guffaw out there. All right, well, man, this is great. I'm so glad to be the one to deliver the word today, right? God, uh, let's pray. I pray that um, we give a word in due season to them that are weary, Lord, that it would, it would hit right where it needs to, that you would open our ears to hear you. Lord, like Jesus said, hear, um, those that have ears to hear, let them hear so I pray you give us ears to hear today, Lord. Open our hearts. Let your spirit be here. Speak through me, Lord. And we thank you that you're with us. Glory to God. Amen. Amen. Uh, thank the worship team um, for doing such a good job and just being able to rest in God's presence. Amen. Well, I'm just going to go ahead and tell you what we're, I'm going to talk about today. I'm going to talk about growth and change. I'm going to see. Nobody got up and left. Okay. I was expecting a few people, but uh, yeah, growth and change. Um, raise your hand if you love change. <laughs> got a couple. Okay. Good. Good. Well, I think today, hopefully, you're going to love change after, after this. So uh, <clears throat> I'm going to tell you a little story. I, uh, when I was younger, a young fellow, where's Joey? He's my basketball buddy. Uh, I was playing basketball at a friend's house, and uh, I don't remember who was winning. Uh, I don't know. Uh, but uh, we were at his house, so his, his rules, right? But at one point, we, uh, the ball, like, I don't know, bounced, I probably hit the rim or something, and I thought it was going to bounce, like, way off and roll out into the street or something. And so I shot it, and I knew it was a, a brick, and I kind of just turned around. But my friend had caught it and uh, got a rebound, and he went to throw it to me, to pass it right back to me, and I was not expecting it. And so he threw it and he was like, no, like that slow motion. He goes, Wade. And I turned around. It was like, and my, 
face went like this. My beard wasn't there to cushion the blow <laughs> at that point. And uh, I was only seven. No, I'm just kidding. Um, and man, I felt it. And gosh, I just said, ooh, that's all right. Let's keep playing. And the difference is before that, uh, I probably would have gotten pretty angry and tried to throw the ball right back at him and hurt him, right? That's, that's natural. Hey, you hit me with the ball. What's wrong with you? Bam. And then you, right? But I didn't do it. And the reason is because, um, well, the easy reason is because of the Lord, right? Um, before that, when I was younger, I, I was just around anger a lot. And that's how I learned to respond to stuff because I saw it in my home, right? So I just would be angry about things or have an angry response. And uh, my mom and I prayed. Um, I probably went through a little deliverance, didn't realize it at the time, but that's, I think that's what was going on. And uh, there was a change in me. And so then the next time I was, I'd arrived at a situation where I could exhibit some growth, there it was. And because uh, God had changed something in me. And then there was growth to where I didn't respond in the flesh or in the natural, but I responded uh, in the spirit. Does that make sense? I hope so, because I'm really going to preach off that today. So if you missed that part, then we're going to be in trouble. All right, I'm going to go ahead and uh, let's go to 1 Peter 2.2. 2. 1 Peter 2.2. 2. Um, this verse has been on my heart for a while now, uh, as we were talking about young leaders and getting ready to, you know, to share our messages. Uh, this was one of the first verses that came to me. I think they were going to, Priscilla offered to put stuff up on the screen for me. I appreciate that. And, um, but in, in 1 Peter 2.2, 2, he, he's writing here to uh, new believers. Peter's writing not just to a specific church, but to, to all believers, because they had, you know, they were getting the message out there about Jesus still. It was still new, and they were, they were trying to reach as many people as they could, and the problem was that people were meeting Jesus. There was a lot of people born again, uh, but there was, they, they weren't changing. They, they weren't changing, and if you look around before this and after this verse, he's saying, um, let's see, what does he say? He says, y'all are still into all kind of um, uh, lasciviousness. That's a good word. Uh, you're still into envyings and strivings and things like that. Uh, in other words, you're still living in the flesh. You're still living, you're still having natural responses to everything. You, you, there's not really a change. And the point is, since you have met Jesus, there should be a change. Okay? So... Let's look, go ahead and look at it, because in verse 1, he says, Wherefore, laying aside all malice, all guile, hypocrisy, envy, evil speakings, and here it is right here, as newborn babies desire the sincere milk of the word that you may grow thereby. Now, once you're born again, it doesn't matter how old you are, you are a baby, and you need to grow. We need to grow after that. Uh, and he says desire. Another word for desire is crave, long for, yearn for it, uh, hunger for it, desire, want to. You got to want it. Desire the sincere 
or true, pure, uh, the truth of God's word. Okay, and that's talking about the logos and the rhema. That's, uh, we have the written word and we have God's word to us when, when, when he says something to our spirit or some, from someone else and he speaks that to us. That's a rhema word. And we have both of them. Thank God. Amen. Amen. So as newborn babes desire the sincere milk of the word for fun. No, that's not what it says. Uh, desire the sincere milk of the word so that you can look holy. So that you can impress your friends. So that you may grow thereby. Right? So you can grow. So he's saying, yeah, you're a new believer now. You're, you're a newborn babe in Christ. You met Jesus. Now you got to grow. You can't, there's got to be a change. There can't, you can't live the same way that you were living. And that part's obvious. Here's the other part. If you met Jesus a long time ago, even. I met him a long time ago. Uh, there should still be growth and change. It's, it's, it's not a one-time deal. Now, we're saved once. Once we're saved, that's it. We're saved, okay? We don't need to get into that discussion, but that's what I'm going to go with today. Uh, but we are being sanctified or made more like him. Okay, so when we're born again, we're, we're babies, and we've got to grow. And he says, desire the sincere milk, the truth of God's word, to do that. Now, the word is a lamp unto our feet. It's a light into our path. It's medicine to our flesh. It is uh, it's sweet like honeycomb. It's sharper than any two-edged sword. Dividing asunder, King James, uh, even the soul and the spirit. Amen? So we need to let this... Let this thing guide us. It says, uh, be not conformed to the world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. And you renew your mind with the word. Amen. Okay. I'm not giving a lesson on the, on the Bible, on Bible reading. That's just part of it. But Isaiah 26.3 says, that will keep him in perfect peace whose mind is stayed on thee. Right, whose mind has stayed on the word. Psalms 1 says, Blessed is he who sits not in the counsel of the wicked, nor sits in the seat of the scornful, but in whose, let me see, walks not in the way of the ungodly, but the, his delight is in the law of the Lord, and he meditates therein day and night. I butchered that one a little bit. But, um, man, this is life. His word is life. His words are spirit, and they are life. And so what I'm going to get into to today, like I said, is growth and change. I might mention a few Bible stories that you've heard before, but I hope that, that you don't click the switch to off or put it on uh, airplane mode. All right, don't put yourself on airplane mode. Keep the connection, okay? So we're going to talk about uh, Lot's wife a little bit. Y'all know the story of Lot? Abraham, he was, he was Abraham's nephew, and Pete did a great job uh, last week talking about Abram being, going to Abraham, right? And, and Abram, Abraham ended up in the, in the hall of faith there in Hebrews 11, uh, and um, Sarah right there with him. And I just, I thought that was a great, 
uh, message. Pete did a really good job. Um, now, uh, with Lot's wife, here's the thing I want, I want you to see. She had been around Lot and Abraham, okay? She had seen God do miraculous things. All the things that, that Pete talked about last week, all the things that Abraham victor, uh, was victorious in. Lot's wife was there, or at least Lot told her about it, right? And then they were living together in, in Sodom and Gomorrah, a very wicked city. And the problem was that when, you know, we all know the end of Lot's wife, right? What was the end? What was her end? It turned into a pillar of salt, right? Right? Because she was supposed to be salt to her city. She didn't participate in any Love Your City events, okay? Uh, she, she was more affected by that city than she affected the city. You know, you know that when you go, uh, let's say you go into a room in your house and the lights are off, it's just waiting for you to turn the light on to be, to be light, right? For the darkness to go away. She wasn't being a light. She wasn't doing anything to affect. See, salt is supposed to, uh, once you put salt in water, it's salt water. The, if you go, if you try to desalt it, you go through the desalinization process. That's a big word right there. Uh, it's very expensive. It's, it takes a lot of time and nearly impossible. Um, but once you, once it's, the salt is in there, it's salt water. That's why we have fresh water and salt water. Um, she was supposed to be salt. Salt preserves. The reason Jesus hadn't come back yet, there's two reasons. One, because not everybody has heard the gospel yet. And the other one is because we're preserving the world from judgment right now. That's what salt does. The other is that it adds flavor. That means it affects. Once it's in the water, it's salt water now. It affects the things around it. Lot's wife was being more affected by the wickedness in that city than she was affecting those around her. And so when God said to run out and get out and don't look back, there was no change in her. There was, there was a change in Lot. Now, he didn't end up in Hebrews 11, okay? But he was obedient, and that's where some of us might be. We might not end up in Hebrews 11, but we're obedient, and that's fine. But Lot ran. He was obedient. He didn't look back. Lot's wife looked back because she was longing to be there. There was no change. She was still like them. She never grew. There was no growth. And she was turned into a pillar of salt. Some of you might know why, but she was turned into salt because that's what she was supposed to have been the whole time. So God said, now you are what you were supposed to be. And she's like that now. And by the way, they found Sodom and Gomorrah, they think, archaeologists, and they discovered, uh, they used drones and this LIDAR technology and everything, but it kind of sat up on a, on a plateau, and they could tell that on one side of the city, there was a huge crater. That was a meteor that hit right there, and it said it burned up seven times as hotter than the sun. And so, you know, when a meteor comes in the atmosphere, I'm, I'm a sixth grade science teacher. This is right, right what I teach right here. When a meteor, it's a meteoroid in space, 
It's a meteor in the atmosphere, and then it's a meteorite, because you die when, you, when it hits the earth. And uh, the meteor's in the atmosphere, and it comes down, and it hits, bam, it's right next to that city. It's burned up in an instant. But as it's coming down, bits of it are burning off and falling off everywhere. It's on fire. And so it looks like it's raining fire and brimstone. And for me, science a lot of times explains how God does things. And they said, oh, he rained fire and brimstone and destroyed. Well, he sent a meteor and engulfed that sucker in flames. And it was instant. And Lot's wife looked back at that. And she turned into exactly what she was supposed to have been all the time. Anybody get anything out of that? There was no change. See, salt affects the things around it. Light affects darkness, not the other way around. All right, we're talking about growth and change. So growth is increase, right? That's all it means. If you're talking about growth, it's increase. Uh, if you want a, a Chris title, Pete did a good job of putting a Chris title on his message. Uh, we're talking about a community of growth and change in a culture of status quo. And status quo is just keeping things the same. It's keeping the things, keeping things the way you want it, Right? Okay, and growth and change looks more at how God wants it. And I'll show you another story here in a minute. Uh, but how do we grow in God? Because that's what we're talking about. He said, desire the sincere milk of the word that you may what? Grow thereby. And so how do we grow? Is it, what grows? What grows? Your faith in God, your trust in God. It's actually that God, <laughs> everything about God grows to you. He's not getting any bigger. He's not getting any more powerful. He already is. But the way we see him grows. Our capacity to look on him grows. That's where the growth comes in. And so um, how do we grow? I think one of the last times I talked, I used this verse, but John 3.30, I must decrease and he must increase. Right? And we did a 3.30 challenge. If uh, every day at 3.30 and you say, oh, how can I decrease right now and how can God increase? Right? So let me talk about Gideon real quick. Everybody know the story about Gideon? It's in Judges 6 if you want to be around there, but I don't have any specific verses. But um, Gideon, you know, he started out when the angel of the Lord first appeared to him. Now, he ends up being victorious and, and mighty. Gideon's in the Hall of Fame of Faith there in Hebrews 11. But when he started out, an angel appeared to him and said, Gideon, mighty man of valor. And Gideon said, if this is God, why is all this bad stuff happening? I won't ask you to raise your hand if that's how you've been responding lately. But just smile at somebody. Hey, why is all this bad stuff happening if, God is in, if God's really doing something? Okay, then he said, you got the wrong guy. I'm the lowest of the low. My tribe's the lowest. I'm the lowest one in it. And he was also very low in a, a wine press. So physically, to, I mean, he, was, he was the lowest of the low. He would have won all the limbo contests. I'll let you get that. Okay. Um, but later, 
Okay, we know that Gideon, this is where we get put out of fleece, because Gideon asked for signs. He started asking for signs. So he believed, but he still needed a sign. Okay? God, if this is you, make this fleece wet. I can't remember which one is first. Make it wet. Okay, God did it. Okay, I believe you, but if it's really you, make the fleece dry now. And everything else around. Okay, but if it's really you, all right, no, but after the fleece is actually, he said, okay, now I believe you. All right, and then God told him what? Gather up all the soldiers, and they had too many. And he said, we got to narrow them down and get rid of some. So he told him, the one, take them to get a drink, and the ones that stick their head down and, and do this, get rid of them. If there's any afraid, get rid of them. And he gave him specific instructions, and, and Gideon didn't ask any questions. He just did it and said, okay. He believed, and he was obedient. So we may have some people that believe and are obedient, right? But then... When it was finally time and they had their 300 and they were gathered together and they, they could look down on Midian and, and see them all encamped in the valley and there was hundreds of thousands of them, he was a little nervous, right? Because there was only 300 of them and no, uh, no real weapons, okay? But uh, he, God said, look, I've given, them into your, I've given them into your hand. If you're still worried about it, take your servant with you and go down and I'm going to give you a sign. And the next verse says, so Gideon took his servant with him. That means he was still afraid. All right. He was still worried about it. He believed, but still struggling. Is anybody there? He believed, but he was still struggling. And God didn't mind that. Huh? God didn't mind that. God's bigger than our worry. But I'm going to show you something today that's going to help. So Gideon went down with his servant because he was still struggling. And they heard a soldier talking to another one and telling him about the dream that they had that the Israelites beat him. A man named Gideon beat him and they were all destroyed and killed. And so Gideon heard that and he's like, oh, that's all I need. And he went back up the mountain and he stopped and he worshiped. He stopped with his servant and he worshiped. And praise God right there. Because, and that's the first time Gideon had done that. That's the first time it says that. He didn't ask for a sign. He stopped and he worshiped. Okay? And, and, he, and they won. They did their jars. They were obedient and they blew their trumpets. I don't think any other battle in history has been won that way. Okay? But they won. And he even chased down the Midian kings and killed him, and he killed the people that didn't help him, okay? He was ruthless in advancing the kingdom, and when you hear that verse about the kingdom of God has been advancing and the violent take it by force, that was part of that right there. And anyway, the people became in awe of Gideon because he was the leader, and I think it was awe, but I think it was also a little bit of fear, like this guy's serious, and they say, Gideon, rule over us. You rule over us, Gideon. How many of you know he was probably saying, wow, I've come from nothing. I've come from winning all the limbo contests to now they want me to rule. I bet he had a moment where he was like, oh, that, that might be nice to show them, right? We have such a clapback society nowadays and a revenge culture I'm sure he had, he could have done that. Yeah, this will show him. There's no point in that. It doesn't benefit you, it doesn't benefit them. It benefits the devil. 
All right? He said, what did he say though? You don't, no, I'm not going to rule over you. Let God rule over you. That's what he said. Let God rule over you. Come on. Let God rule over you. Let God rule over me. See, there was a change in Gideon. He went from, he went from, if, why do these things happen? Why do these bad things happen, God? To, I'm the lowest of the low. To, okay, I believe you if. To, give me a sign. To, believing but struggling. To, uh uh-uh, worshiping and God ruling over it. Letting God rule. Do you see the change and the growth in Gideon? But see, he wouldn't have been able to have that growth unless he stopped and worshiped. Unless God became bigger to him. See, Gideon was going from glory to glory, as it says in 2 Corinthians 3.18. Look at that. It's magic. But we all with open face beholding as in a glass darkly, the glory of the Lord and are changed into the same image from glory to glory, even by the spirit of the Lord. And so the whole idea we... One day, everybody say one day, that day we're going to see him as he is. Amen? You don't have to say that part, but thank you. We're going to see him as he is. We're going to see how dim-witted we were. And we're going to realize, oh my gosh, this is the best thing ever. He, he really is who he says he is. But right now, like we got something over us. We can't just see it yet. But we're getting there. And we go from glory to glory. We go from little victory to victory. We go from God moment to God moment. We go like Gideon. We go from, okay, we, we may believe you, Lord, to a little bit more faith, to a little bit more seeing a victory. And James and I were talking about this, and he said, we just get more aware of what he's doing. God, give us an awareness of what you're doing. Huh? Give us an awareness. And if you go back to that first Peter 2, 2, it says, desire you the sincere milk of the word. It starts with what? Desire. It starts with desire. You have to want it. You got to want it. Some of you might be, let me, all right, I'll tell the story. So speaking of James, we were at ACM one time and I'm, I'm not far along here. Uh, far from being done. Sorry. Um, I am not far from being done. Clear? Okay. (laughs) Clear as mud. Um, James, we were at uh, ACM, Leadership Conference, a a lot of us here. And um, James and I, we were hanging out, and I just thought, this is so cool. James is cool, man. I'm not nearly as cool as James. And uh, he, you know, just to be with him, everybody knew him. They didn't, I don't think everybody really knew me. I hadn't been to ACM that many times. And feeling pretty good about myself and uh we were talking and and he we both started saying you know I I want to serve God because they they had been talking about wanting to serve God and get in there serving God I think going out to the the streets maybe that one year but we both said I I don't even have the want to right now I don't even have the want to I, I want to want to and I think we were, I think James and I ended up at being three want twos removed from, uh, if you can, if you're a math person, want to the power of three. Okay. We were at want cubed there. 
also teach math, so sorry. Um, so we, we were at, I want to, want to, want to. And if that's where you are, that's okay. But, but get there. Let God be bigger to you. Some of us are stuck because God is not any bigger to us than he was when we first met him. God doesn't change, y'all. He's not going to get bigger. Our awareness of him has to get bigger. Our room that we give him has to get bigger. So we go from glory to glory, and one day we will be like him on that day. But until then, we're becoming more and more like him. That's what we're supposed to be doing. That's what we should be doing, becoming more and more like him. So if you're stuck, maybe, maybe it's because something needs to change. If you haven't seen any growth somewhere, I think it was Danny or Donna, I've heard them talk about before, where you're going up the mountain and you keep running into the same thing and having the same response. You never get the victory. Where's the growth? Where's the change? So we've got to go from glory to glory. God is meant for us to be more than conquerors. He's meant for us to be victorious, overcomers, not victims, not, lot, not Gideon in the wine press saying, why is this bad stuff happening? Why me, God? Why me? If that's you, that's okay. I'm not, I'm not here to condemn anybody. I'm here to encourage you that, hey, there's something better. There's growth that can happen. Aren't you glad you can grow and that you don't have to be stuck? Things can change. Your perception of God can change. And there's people in here this morning, your hearts are being pulled right now by the Holy Spirit and he's drawing you and you're responding to him. But there's others of you who are, have already put up the walls and it's hard as a rock. And you're thinking, oh, I wish he would shut up. Let me move on. Um, when we meet the Lord, whether it was yesterday or 30 years ago, whether it was at camp or was, whether it was in the Aldi parking lot, whether it was to be saved or, or where we're keeping going, there has to be a change. Desire the sincere milk, the truth of God's word and who he says he is, that you might grow thereby. Later on, Peter says, that you might grow in grace, grow in grace. Paul prays that they would grow in the knowledge of him, that they would increase in the knowledge of Christ. Peter says that too. There's supposed to be growth. There's supposed to be change. It's not supposed to be something we avoid like the plague. It's not supposed to be something we run away from and say, oh, I don't like change. That's fine. If you go to the restaurant, the same restaurant, and order the same thing, that's fine. But if there's no change spiritually, if there's no growth spiritually, then we're stuck. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. There's something wrong. All right? And it should happen in community. It should happen in community. Uh, you ever seen a caricature? You ever gotten a caricature picture uh, like at a carnival or something like that where they draw you and usually my ears are real big or, or my hairline's even further back? Um, why are y'all laughing at that? Uh, just kidding. Or they make, you know, they give you big lips, whatever, because it's out of proportion. 
right? And so when you have some, somebody that's growing a whole lot and then you have in the church and then you got people that are stuck, it's out of proportion. It doesn't look right and it doesn't work right. We're, it's as every joint supplies, every. Well, I don't have a gift. Yes, you do. Let me just say publicly right now, everybody in this room has a gift. Well, not me, brother. I just, no, you do. You do. Everybody has a gift. You ought to be using it. Uh, Greg over here, you might have noticed he's been playing percussion lately, trying to take my job. (laughs) Just kidding. He's been doing great, and I really appreciate it. But he said, the reason he's up there, y'all, and listen to this, is because Chris preached a message one time that's talking about talents and what to do with your gifts. And Greg said, you know what, I, have, I, I know how to play instruments. I have a gift. And he felt convicted, felt convicted in his own spirit. And now he's up there. That's change. That's growth. Hmm? And now it's a blessing. It's a blessing. It's blessing you. It's blessing me. There's growth and change. Everybody say it. Growth and change. All right, I'm going to close with this. In Acts 2.43, this is after the Holy Spirit has been poured out. Okay, thousands of people were being added to the kingdom daily. And they were meeting house to house, breaking bread, having a good time. And they had peace. The Bible said they had peace. They had peace. It's not just persecution that grows the church, but when you're doing it right, it also grows the church. They were in awe of him. It's okay. They were in awe of him. I better turn there real quick. Acts in the letter to the Romans, 1st and 2nd Corinthians, Galatians and Ephesians. Okay. Acts 2, 43. By the way, if you're not in a home group, get in a home group. If you want to grow and change, get in a home group. We grow in communion. We grow together. There's a reason why God and Jesus compares us to a vineyard, to a vine and the branches, because we're growing together. We're a community. So it's got to happen in community. You're going to walk around looking like a caricature if if it's not. Okay? Uh, 243, and I'm closing up. It says, fear or awe came upon every soul, and many signs and wonders were done by the apostles. Okay, they were in awe of God. They were in awe of him. Here's another one. They gladly received his word. This is 41 and were baptized. They continued steadfastly in the doctrine. Huh? They were changing and growing because they continued in in God's teachings, in the truth of his word. In fellowship and breaking of bread and in prayers, they forsook not the assembling of themselves together. And fear came upon every soul, or awe. Gideon was finally in awe of God. He wasn't just this God that could do cool things, make a fleece wet, make a fleece dry. He was God who was going to destroy the Midianites with a trumpet and a jar. With 300 dudes defeat, 100,000. Okay? 
He was in awe. And when you have a godly fear, there's, it's not being afraid of God. Perfect, fear, perfect love, sorry, perfect love casts out all fear. Why? Because when you realize that that God loves you, you're not going to worry about anything. You're not going to be afraid of anything. You're not afraid of him. You're in awe of him and who he is. See, we press on, like I was talking about a while ago, that we're being changed from glory to glory. We're becoming more and more like him because he's the goal. He's the prize. We press on toward the mark for the high call of God in Christ Jesus. We're pressing on toward him. It's him. Our focus on him has to get bigger. And, and Gideon, he wasn't focused on himself. He was focused on how low he was. Y'all hear that? So some of us are going to be puffed up with pride where it is we are focused on ourselves. But some of us are going to be focused on our shame, our guilt, our shortcomings. What we can't do, what we don't have. Some of us are going to be focused on what we do have. I'm good at this. I'm good at that. I've got money. Help us, Lord. Huh? But our focus has to come off of whatever is connected to us and become more about him. Yes. Amen. Amen. Then you're going to see growth and change. The amount of room we give God in our hearts and minds is what needs to grow, and that's how we change. So we'll have the worship team come up. And I believe this message today, I think every person in this room could respond somehow. You're either in the wine press, you either believe but you're struggling like Gideon, maybe you don't even believe. Maybe you're still looking for a sign. Maybe you're blaming God. Why does all this bad stuff happen? Maybe you're, just, maybe you're stuck. Maybe you keep running into that same thing and things never change. Maybe you can't get out of that addiction. Maybe you can't get out of that shame. Maybe you can't get out of that cycle. But praise God, he is able. He is able. And it doesn't matter how long you've known him. It doesn't matter if you're a baby in the word or a baby in the spirit. God can help. He's the one that changes hearts. He's the one that changes minds.